Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast. I am Sterling Holmes. Uh, you might see my dog behind me. Don't worry. I have this little vibrator like your phone. If he tries to go after a squirrel right here, it doesn't hurt him, I promise you. I'm very moral, okay? I'm not going to hurt my own dog, but it vibrates like a phone. Uh, no Ian McMillan. Ian McMillan is out filling in. Mike Luciano from the Jet Press. Mike, how you doing? I'm feeling great, Sterling, and... As a guy with Aaron Rodgers on his football team, you know, I know that there's been some wacky stuff around Aaron Rodgers, but you know what? We had Zach Wilson. Now we have Aaron Rodgers. At the end of the day, who could really complain about that grand scheme of things? Uh, The 45-year-old moms will be the ones complaining about those things. I will say the Jets went from uh, potentially making the playoffs last year to now having a reality TV show. So they got that going for them at least. Can't wait to see what the New York media says all about that. Uh, but let's get into it. A lot of fun stuff I want to talk about. Uh, first, Lamar Jackson. We, we, we talked leading up to the Lamar Jackson, uh, Lamar Jackson contract ad nauseum. We were saying, will they, won't they? Uh, and then, of course, the second me and Ian go off, what happens? Lamar Jackson and the Ravens get a deal done. Uh, the contract for Lamar Jackson is a five-year, $260 million deal, $185 million overall guaranteed. 135 fully, but 185 overall. Uh, just some uh, weird numbers in there. So, so some weird ways that the 50 million is not fully guaranteed, but overall guaranteed. 72.5 million dollar signing bonus, a no trade clause, and then a provision preventing the Ravens from designating Jackson as a fran- uh, franchise or transition player when the deal expires after 2027. Mike, what was your reaction, to Lamar, and the Ravens finally? Got this deal done. Honestly, just pure relation. Even as a guy with a Jets background, I was just thrilled that Lamar got this deal done because I think for his whole career, I've been an unreasonable Lamar Jackson supporter. It started when he was coming out of Louisville, and how he was talked about as a prospect was so incredibly bizarre. Like the things people said that he wasn't good at, he actually was good at. And it was really strange to just look at him and say that he's not going to be a great quarterback because, oh, he can't throw from the pocket. Well, he can. Well, he can't handle these complex – well, yes, he can. And for his entire career, even after winning MVPs and winning playoff games with Baltimore rosters that, looking back on it, were kind of undermanned, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think Greg Roman's a particularly inventive offensive coordinator. Lamar Jackson keeps winning, and he still has these negative doubts hanging over his head. So now when it comes – But but Mike, Mike, those were done on on a rookie contract. Those were done when Lamar, when Lamar Jackson was on a rookie contract. You think the offense is going to get better now that Lamar Jackson is getting paid this? I mean, who, who are you going to fill that roster around? Now it's time for him to step up. He wasn't able to do it on a rookie contract. Why can he do it now? Well, I think he'll be able to do it now. I think he's got better support around him. I'm not saying Odell Beckham because Odell Beckham at this point is an NFT. It's just imaginary value. They overpaid for him. That's not the reason. I think getting Greg Roman out of there and going to Todd Munkin, I mean, you can't get more two stylistically different offenses than that. I mean, Greg Roman, if he wanted to, would run the triple option. That's how much he loved running the ball. And then you get Todd Munkin, who was at Georgia and with Tampa Bay when they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is we're going deep, we're throwing bombs. But he also let his quarterback run the ball a lot. We saw that with Stetson Bennett at Georgia. I think that's going to be huge. I think that having a lot of the guys that were banged up last year, because the Ravens have had some really rotten injury luck that is not Lamar Jackson's fault. I think getting them back, that's going to be huge. 
Lamar's been part of the problem, though. Lamar's been the main issue when it comes to injuries. If you're the quarterback and you can't stay healthy, that's a major, major concern. Um, I I don't disagree. I think he's a little underrated in some of the aspects, especially when it comes to throwing the ball. That was always been the big knock against him. No, he's not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, but he is better than folks give him credit for. End of the day, if you're not healthy, if you're not out there, if you're missing playoff games, if you're going to have to turn to Tyler Huntley, you're not helping your team. I like Lamar Jackson. I would not give him this contract. I wouldn't get close to giving him this contract. The Ravens have built their team around Lamar ever since he was a rookie. I'm with you. Uh, the OC, the game plan, it wasn't great. His weapons, they weren't great. But that was him on a rookie deal. They did all they could. They had a very solid defense. I wouldn't say it was spectacular. I wouldn't say it was top three in the NFL. But they had a good defense. They were sinking some money there they still weren't able to get anything done. Now that you have to pay the quarterback, this is when it becomes hard. You're seeing it with the Bills, having to pay Lamar Jackson, or paying Josh Allen. You're going to see it with when it's time to come to pay Joe Burrow. That's when it gets difficult. The Chiefs have done a great job with Mahomes. That contract did not hamstring them. They were able to win the Super Bowl ever since he was on that second deal. The Seahawks were not able to, once they were able to give Russell Wilson that second contract, it just became a lot more difficult for the Ravens, a team that hasn't had a lot of playoff success with Lamar Jackson. And that that's certainly fair because I think it's been – even Lamar Jackson's supporters will tell you he hasn't really answered the call come postseason time, and the injuries are a concern. But, I mean, we say it every year. I mean, the, the, the quarterback market is not necessarily overflowing with options. So unless they want to just tear it all down to the studs and start a post-Lamar rebuild, which – if they wanted to do it, fine. But I think that even in the middle of these negotiations, they really didn't want to do that. I feel like they kind of had to. I mean, what what would have been the option if they didn't sign Lamar Jackson? All the big names were gone. They weren't picking high enough to get like a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson type of prospect where you could just bang do it like that. They sound committed to John Harbaugh, so it's not like they want to complete – and Eric DaCosta, the GM. So they don't want to complete regime change where they bring in this new era – it felt like they wanted him back. It just, it, the Deshaun Watson contract, I think, is, it, I think it kind of screwed him. And sure. I think that, in a sense, the owner, I'm not saying that every player necessarily should get the Deshaun Watson contract, because even though I think the most, the guys on the side of the players the most would realize that, that Deshaun Watson contract was a freaking nightmare. But I think the, I think the owners did kind of win in that they just said, we're not going to give you this fully guaranteed deal. We're going to last it out. We'll still pay you. There was no doubt that he was going to get paid. And he no, did. No, no, uh, of course. But, but now he's not getting the Watson to, contract, too. And that's, yeah. I think, why it just took so long. And it looked a lot nastier than it is. Yeah, pointing to Deshaun Watson, every other team was saying, yeah, well, we're not the Browns. We're not the, we're not the Browns. We're not the worst front office organization in the NFL. That's not us. That's not how we operate. I, you may say Washington, but at least when it comes to giving contracts, they weren't giving out those type of contracts. Kyler Murray didn't help the cause as well. Because uh, a good comp for Lamar Jackson, if you want to make the case, is Kyler Murray. Both very mobile quarterbacks. Both have the talent, the good arms. No playoff success. Lamar Jackson obviously has the MVP that and, and more NFL success than, than Kyler. But that's a little bit of a comparison there. I, I just would not give Lamar this. But the Ravens, as you mentioned, were in a very tough spot. What were they going to do? They made the playoffs last year. They went ten and seven. What does that tell the fan base that hey, we're starting over? We're going to just break this thing down. The franchise quarterback, he's probably – Lamar Jackson's a top-10 QB. He's top-10. 
top 10. I, he, he's not top five. He's top 10, but he's a top 10 guy. He can't stay healthy. A, at some point, you either have to start over or you have to go all in. The Ravens went all in. This reminds me a little bit, if you want to make an NBA comparison to the 76ers, when they continuously were making the playoffs as a eight seed, a seven seed, a six seed, and then you lose first round. That kind of feels like what this Ravens team is. They are hoping, and the, the NFL is a little different. It's not a seven-game series. It's a one-game series, right? So anything can happen in a one-game sample size. But they're not better than the Bills. They're not better than the Chiefs. They're not better than the Bengals. I don't think they're better than the Jets. I don't think they're better than uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. They're, they're probably in the same category as Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. What about the Chargers? I think they're in the same category. I think, I think they're right there. And so I get it. Either you say, hey, we're a bottom playoff team, but a playoff team right now with Lamar Jackson. Do we continuously ride this out and hopefully we get lucky? Or do you build it and blow it up? They decided to ride it out, double down. Lamar Jackson's the guy. Well, I think part of it, too, I think what they're banking on, especially for this year, too, is part of what made Lamar in 2019 so special was just nobody had seen anything like this. Like, there was Michael Vick and and even Randall Cunningham to a certain extent, but in terms of a guy who could run for 1,200 yards as a quarterback and be that accurate, like it was just a phenomenon. No one knew how to defend this guy. And I think that they might be banking on that a little bit with the whole Todd Munkin thing in this new-look lineup about we're going to have a brand-new offense totally around Lamar Jackson. The offensive line is going to allegedly be healthy. I think they got good pieces there. I think it's one of the better offensive lines in the AFC, which cannot be understated how important that is. I think that they're really saying, you know what? We're just going to go balls out. We're going to chuck it deep. We're going to go full in on Lamar. And we think that will surprise some teams because as as much as the AFC looks daunting, and it certainly is because there's Kansas City, they're not going to go away for the next 10 years. And pretty much every year the AFC is going to be at Arrowhead until somebody makes it not at Arrowhead. We're just going to have to operate like that. Beyond that, I know that it looks like there's all these great Cincinnati, Buffalo, Jacksonville, but I mean – there's been some pretty shocking upsets recently in the last couple of years in the AFC. I mean, Cincinnati getting past Buffalo in that snow, I don't think that that was really expected. The Titans making that run, the Bengals getting to the Super Bowl that year. Sometimes you just get hot at the right time. That could be enough to carry you. And now they have the pieces to where if they just get that little spark right at the end of the year, Lamar Jackson's healthy. I see no reason why Baltimore can't end up making like an AFC championship game run. I just think he's that talented. Again, this is a year where the Ravens, I'm sure, were thinking, we wish we could have had him on the franchise tag. This is going to be the real make-or-break year for him, but guess what? He's going to be a Ravens QB for a long time. He now has some wide receivers. He has Rashad Bateman. He has first-round wide receiver Zay Flowers. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr. for him. Again, whatever your thoughts are on Odell Beckham Jr., the pressure will still be on Lamar Jackson as he is such a big name. They brought in Nelson Aguilar. I'm not a huge Aguilar guy, but again, they brought him in. And then at tight end, obviously, Mark Andrews is stalwart still there, but Isaiah likely had a nice year at times uh, last season. So Isaiah likely is the... Uh, Second string tight end. The offensive line, as you mentioned, is pretty dang solid with Ryan Staley, Ben Cleveland, Taylor Linderbaum. Uh, As long as they can stay healthy, that's the main concern. So the pressure really is on Lamar Jackson at this point. This is, in my opinion, his make or break year. The only issue for the Ravens is he's going to be there for a while. There's no backing out now. So you better hope he steps up. The dead money is absolutely preposterous. Like 
I mean, no one thought the Cardinals would be getting rid of Kyler Murray at this point. Now it looks like if they tank the year and end up in Caleb Williams' range, that that's probably what they're going to end up doing. And they have a ton of dead money owed to them. Guess what the dead cap is after 2024 if they get rid of Lamar Jackson? Uh, what is it? $113 million. Russell Wilson <laughs> range. Can, You're getting can Russell you even, Wilson like, feel range. the team with that much dead cap? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, the Ravens, again, they were in a tough spot. They were in a very tough spot. I think it was the right decision. It's not something I would have done. Um, I just don't think a, a guy you can't trust to stay healthy. If you can't trust your quarterback to stay healthy, the most important position, I, I, I couldn't do it. I get it. You're not going to wait because every team in the AFC is great right now, but you don't see Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. There is a balance of power, but you can't wait. It was the reason why the Jets went all in and brought in Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to wait for these guys to retire. Are, are the Ravens the seventh best team, sixth best team in the AFC? Probably. But you can't wait to try and wait till the other teams fall down. They're going to be there a long time. I think the optics of it are important too, especially for Baltimore, an organization that has kind of prided themselves on being one of the better run ones in the entire mm-hmm. league. They always draft well. There's never really a ton of crazy PR scandals. Like in the last probably 10 years, now they had the, the whole Ray Rice thing that they botched royally. But post that, they generally keep things kind of on the down low. There's a lot of great internal hires, a lot of organizations from around the league pluck their best guys, like the Jets and Joe Douglas. Imagine that team going to the fans and say, hey, yeah, we have an MVP-level quarterback who's young and ascending and seems like he wanted to be here. He just wanted to get paid. And You're going to say ascending, man. I, I would think, not. I, you, you're saying Lamar Jackson's still ascending from last year. I, well, because I, th- I think the monkey. Maybe I'm being a monkey stand because I remember too when he was getting head coaching interviews. I thought the guy would have been a pretty good head coach. I just think that Roman's offense was so backwards and so limiting for a quarterback that even a guy like Lamar Jackson just couldn't really make it work. I mean, we've seen that with Roman before about how. He'll come in, and it's unique, and no one knows how to stop it. And then you get a year of film on it, and he kind of fizzles out and gets fired. We saw that in San Francisco and Buffalo and a bunch of different places. So I think he could ascend, especially from the last two years, where he certainly hasn't been MVP level. If he gets maybe a guy like Bateman or a guy like Zay Flowers breaks out, and they let Lamar kind of throw it deep a little bit more and use his natural passing talent, I think that that qualifies as an ascension. Uh, I will say Lamar Jackson just turned 26 in January, so he still is young. Uh, if you are all in on the new OC, the new game plan, like like Mike is, there's reason for optimism. Uh, Chris Albright in, this, in the chat says, hot take, Ravens will miss the playoffs this year. I honestly wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I, I'm going to say they make the playoffs. I think they make it as the seven seed, six seed. I got to go, go through my list of teams right now. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked because, yeah, they're, they're not in the same category. Um, maybe they are better than the uh, Jaguars. That, that, that You can definitely make the case that they're better than the Jags. I, I'll listen to it, but they're not in that division. The Jags are going to probably end up, when it's all said and done, as the four seed. So this is going to mean the Ravens will be on the road for a playoff game if they make the playoffs. What do you think this upcoming season the Ravens team looks like? Where do they finish? I think they're kind of in that like five or six range in that, but I think Cincinnati like one to 53 is a really good roster. I think Joe Burrow obviously has proven himself still 
let's just say maybe Cincinnati kind of slips up a little bit, ends up in that maybe 11-win range. I mean, is it outrageous if I said Baltimore might win 11 games this year? Because I no, think they, they, they won I 10 think, last year. They won 10 last year with how many games from Tyler Huntley? Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, Cleveland has Deshaun Watson and they have Nick Chubb and they have good pieces, but there's just something about them. Just there's no cohesion there. I don't know why, but there's just something about them. I can't take the Browns seriously as a contender right now. And I know that Mike Tomlin's an amazing coach. And somehow you, every year it looks like this is going to be the year the Steelers finally collapse and start rebuilding and then you look up at the end of the year and they're nine and eight and you're going how the hell did that happen i know that happens a lot but as as someone who's just not really in on kenny pickett even as a jersey guy i I know i gotta break the jersey fraternity here i can't be that high on kenny pickett especially in this tough of a division hey mike i gotta stop you one second one second you're a jersey guy yes your last name's luciano yes there's at least a 60 to 70 percent chance you have your last name tattooed on your back Absolutely nope, no tattoos. Uh, that was. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, my my uh, parents were not pretty, like not strict, but there were a couple things that were absolute no's, including motorcycles is one of them. And tattoos was on the list. There's only about four or five things. Tattoos was on the list. So my entire life, I'm just like, oh, I can't get a tattoo. I might get one now soon. Might get a Luciano tattoo. You might be the only dude last name Luciano in Jersey your age without a back tattoo. Well, I mean, I I went to Jersey Shore. Every single guy has their last name tattooed on their back. I don't get it. What, what's going to happen? Is it so when you pass out, your boys can say, oh, there's my guy. Yeah, there's I'm, my dude passed out on the beach. The thing with me is I just don't trust the tattoo artist, and I'm paranoid there's going to be like some – what was that movie? Was it We're the Millers where the guy gets no regrets and it's spelled wrong? Like Not I'm paranoid something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Well, when it comes to the Ravens, though, right here, I, let's see if you and I agree here. Okay. Chiefs, Bengals, Bills. Those three teams win the division, right? Yeah, I think the Jets and the Bills are kind of, I would say, even in terms Come on. of win. Come on. Come on. See, see the thing, though, with uh, not in like a Bill stink kind of way, I just think that they're both maybe like an 11 or 12 win team, and then it might just even come down to like divisional game tiebreakers. I think they're in that sort of area. Like, I think whoever doesn't win the East, I think, is the five seed. Hey, my God, they're going to be way better with Rodgers than Zach Wilson as the quarterback. Way better. I'm with you. Is that six wins? I mean, they won seven, and two of their losses were extremely close. I get like 15 points total over the last three weeks. They scored 15 points in the past three weeks the Jets did. I get it. I'm with you. But Rodgers went eight and nine last year. It's not like Rodgers is the same Rodgers that, that won two MVPs in three years. It looked well, like a pretty steep decline. You need to be that. I mean, there was a game they lost to the Patriots 10-3 to with a, with a game-winning punt return on the last play. I mean, that's a win with Aaron Rodgers. That Lions game is a win with Aaron Rodgers. I think maybe the Dolphins at the end of the year is a win with Aaron Rodgers because they were starting Joe Flacco at the end. So immediately there, you're down to 10, and then you get they get a fourth-place schedule, so they play the Texans, they play the sure. Commanders, they play the Falcons. Bill Just hope he doesn't go schedule. on a dark – just hope it isn't going to darkness retreat. That's all you got to hope for. Hey, the darkness um, retreat led him to the Jets, man. So if that's what it, that's what it takes. <laughs> uh, Fernando in the chat says Ravens been first place in the division the past two years until Lamar got hurt. Burrow has only beaten Lamar head to head once. Hey, man. I, I, again, I don't disagree to an extent, but the point is he's been hurt a lot. He's been hurt a lot. You can't count on him. You can almost count on injury rather than him playing seventeen games in the regular season. That's hard. Um, 
Obviously, we're taking into account he's probably going to be healthy for 17 games. That's how you you kind of do predictions. You're not going to sit here and say, yeah, well, we're going to play in a Lamar playing 12 games. I, I'm with you. And again, I wouldn't be perplexed if the Ravens ended up being the first place team over the Bengals in their division, but I would be a little bit surprised. Again, I wouldn't be perplexed, but I would be a little surprised. Uh, Joe Burrow and that offense, that team is gelling really, really well. Um, Again, I I think they are them. The bills and the chiefs are in a level above everyone else in the AFC personally. So that's the way I have it. When it comes to uh, the South, obviously Jaguars, doesn't matter they don't come into play no other team in the AFC South is going to sniff the playoffs so then that brings us to the wild card teams Miami Jets Baltimore uh, Chargers Denver's going all in but I don't believe in Denver Patriots don't have a quarterback um, Pittsburgh have a great team outside of Kenny Pickett and they always go nine and eight I mean that's a lot of competition the AFC is stacked I get what you're saying, but I, I, I'm almost going more with Chris here. When he said the, that the Ravens might miss the playoffs, that the, the more I think about it, I'm like, I really wouldn't be shocked. Hot hot take, if the Ravens miss the playoffs, I think this is the end of John Harbaugh. I think mm. it'll be – I think it's going to be a really tough sell for having Lamar even, – even if he's been banged up, six years of Lamar Jackson and you don't even get to an AFC championship game – that's going to be really hard to sell for fans, especially like the Ravens. They're used to winning. They're used to winning with quarterback. I mean, Joe Flacco was the best they've had in their entire franchise before Lamar came along. And nothing. Joe Flacco had his moments. He's a pretty good quarterback in his prime. But I mean, if that's your best guy before Lamar Jackson, and they were winning with him and Anthony Wright and Trent Dilfer and all these names, and then you get Lamar Jackson and you can't even sniff the championship. If that happens, like if the disaster happens. I think that I think Harbaugh's probably gone, which is a shame because he's a good coach. But I, I feel like something would have to give in that situation. AFC, either way you slice it, any way you dice it, is going to be extremely, extremely difficult. Ravens will at least be a very entertaining team this year. Um, I, I they're better than Miami, I think. I think they're better than Miami. I, I don't when trust. Talk about durability questions. That's yeah. the durability question in Miami. I, even healthy, Tua Tagovailoa had a great. Great start to his year last year. I mean, there's no taking away from it. But uh, when it comes to making his team better, that team as a whole, I don't think was as good as the Ravens. Um, again, I do think the Ravens probably make the playoffs, but there are, there are six or seven in my eyes, um, not higher than that. And Fernando thinks they'll be the one seed. That is that is optimistic, Fernando. One there's seed a, in their division or one seed over Bills, Chiefs, Bay? I mean, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy in Missouri who <laughs> might have some some things to say about that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> if you're going there, you know what? If that happens, I will I will give you all the props in the world. They're the one seed in the AFC this year. I will give you all the props in the world. I do not, do not see that happening. Let's look into the future. Best landing spot for Zeke. Best landing spot for Zeke, in my opinion, because I'm honestly surprised he hasn't been signed yet. I mean, for as much crap as he gets, I think a lot of it, too, is just he's a visible guy on the Cowboys. So, therefore, like when he loses, people try to – because it's the Cowboys. It's like playing for the Yankees. When you're worse for the Yankees, it looks worse just in general. I still think he's a valuable back. I still think he can contribute to a good team. In fact, I don't know how interested they are. Why not the Bengals? Because Joe Mixon, I say this as both a Joe Mixon fantasy owner and a 
Joe Mixon observer was incredibly disappointing. I mean, he just looked that when he came in out of Oklahoma, he was a quick runner and shifty. Now he just looks like one cut and blow your head for yards. I mean, it, it, he's really devolved. And with Samaji P. Ryan, I believe, going to the Broncos in free agency, they really don't have a backup running back. I mean, they, they've said Travion Williams, Zach Taylor even today has said Travion Williams has improved a lot, a former fifth-round pick. He could come in and be the Joe Mixon deputy. I think if Zeke's out there, I think even the biggest Travion Williams fan, I think Travion Williams himself would tell you Ezekiel Elliott would be a better option. I think that he's proven himself, I think, as a blocker. I think he's still a good blocker. I think when needed, he can go out in the flat and catch passes. And I think he's a good goal line option, which is really all they would really need for a back like that. I mean, if they use him like they use Pirine, I think Zeke's just a big upgraded version. And I think when you need to figure out ways to kind of get one over on Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl again, this could be a nice arrow to have in your quiver. When it comes to Zeke, I think the best landing spot for him is probably the Big Ten Network. <laughs> dude, dude, dude ran for 3.8 yards a carry last year behind that offensive line. I mean, Tony Pollard made such a difference even the past three years. I mean, the, it wasn't just this year. Tony Pollard has looked like the more explosive, better back the past few seasons. It's been incredibly uh, noticeable. The one thing I will say about Zeke, he is so good in short yarded situations. He's so good on the goal line. He had 12 touchdowns last year whatever you want to make the case for he finds a way to, to punch it in. That is worth something. He's a big back. Um, it, it honestly feels very Tampa Bay. Like if Fournette's gone, if Fournette's gone, it feels like, all right, here's our Fournette replacement. It could the, the be thing with Tampa though, is I feel like, I feel like Tampa is firmly in the Caleb Williams range. I think more so than people are kind of giving them not credit for, but I think more than people are saying, And I say this as a guy who kind of liked Baker Mayfield more than most. I really can't see a path to them making any sort of noise. So I think just, I think if Zeke has any options, which I I find it hard to believe that there's not one team in the league that says, let's at least take a chance on Ezekiel Elliott. It's name, man. That's that's, that's name recognition. That's what you're doing with Zeke at this point. It's name recognition to an extent, kind of with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, it really is. Uh, wide receiver is just a way more valuable position than running back. We saw Todd Gurley. Remember Todd Gurley? And all of a sudden he fell off. Injuries played a large part of that. 100%. Todd Gurley had arthritis, though. That's different. Sure, 100%. But the way Zeke runs, it looks like he has arthritis. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's slow. It's running through mud. It's like there's butterscotch on his feet. Like there's butterscotch candies that are melted. He's running through that. It's just Molasses. Again, a good, a good goal lineback. Frankly, as a Chiefs fan, the Chiefs struggle so mightily on third and one, fourth and one, goal line situations. It irritates us. They, they, the Chiefs can't pick it up. So they have to roll out with Mahomes and make something happen. Zeke would honestly be a great fit in Kansas City. I just don't see it happening. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be firmly entrenched in my mind as the guy. They brought back Jarek McKinnon. Um I don't know a great landing spot for Zeke. Again, if Fournette's gone, I do think Tampa Bay makes just sense based on how they typically have operated in the past. They like that veteran guy. They take chances on four big-name players. Whether or not they're in the the hunt for that first overall pick last year, Zeke's not going to make that much of a difference. He's just not. A a dude who's going to get, what, eight carries a game? Oh, God. Imagine saying that three years ago that Zeke maybe will get eight carries a game in Tampa Bay. 
Seriously, though, I mean, maybe it's different because Tom Brady's gone. He's not going to check down 54 times a game. So maybe it's a little different. But I don't see a great landing spot right now on a contender for Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, God, that is – this is just hard. This is like when you have, like, a great band in the 80s and they're playing, like, some some dinky state fair. Are you ready to rock Des Moines? Like (laughs) – Like Man, Night, Ranger, Night Ranger or something shot. like that. And Night Ranger's great. Come on now. You can still rock in America. You can still rock in America. Sammy Hagar or something. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> you can't. He still can't drive 55, okay? It's going to take him a while to get there. All right. He can't there is, go there 55. There's only one way to rock, so. I mean, Mas Tequila. Uh, <laughs> Other references. <laughs> yeah. But Dave, we're going to talk Diamond David Lee Roth next. Yeah, why not? Uh, best free agent landing spot for Frank Clark. Frank Clark to me, and this goes in line with some rumors that I've seen kind of percolating around the football interwebs. I think Jacksonville would be a pretty good landing spot because as much as I think Jacksonville is not a contender this year, I think that they're kind of a year away. I think that they're they're getting somewhere definitely. I think they have the benefit of that division. I think Trevor Lawrence proved that he's kind of what we thought he would be this prospect that's putting it all together obviously Doug Peterson a guy who's won a Super Bowl and then helped orchestrate one of the biggest comebacks ever in NFL history they got good infrastructure which a couple years removed from Urban Meyer and Trent Balky at the helm you would not say that they would have good infrastructure but that quickly almost overnight Doug Peterson did it mm-hmm. the defense the defensive line specifically I think could use a little bit of a boost now I know that they're big on Trayvon Walker and they expect big things out of Trayvon Walker I still don't know why he – I get why he went number one. It would not have been my pick. I mean, he was a literally an all-time athlete. I think he graded out as the highest uh, – with the highest RES of any defensive end. So, like, I, I get it. I still don't see a path to him being, like, a double-digit sack guy anytime soon. Arden Key is gone. He's in the division with the Titans right now. I think they need one more guy on the edge to give him some juice and some veteran experience. That experience guy proven in the postseason. Like, I mean – Every year, you as a Chiefs fan know, like he'd have some kind of down stretches in the regular season. Then that calendar flips to January, and Frank Clark is out terrorizing people. Yeah, I think he might be a nice difference maker. And I think at this point, even though the Jaguars don't have as much cap space because they're just up against the cap now, and then they have to pay Evan Engram, if they get the finances worked out, why not bring Frank Clark to Jacksonville? I think there's still a path for him to return to Kansas City. I don't think it's a super high one. I think it all comes down to what his free agent open market looks like. I, The Chiefs probably are still in the market for one more veteran pass rusher. It's not 100% that they need one, but I think they'd probably like to have one more veteran. Uh, they went from you know Terrell Suggs, Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, it, yeah, they have Charles Aminahu, but he's not quite, quite that veteran guy. They need more of a the occasional can can give you twenty snaps, twenty five snaps here and there. Um, Frank Clark, I think, is there in his career, but I don't think Frank Clark believes he's there. Frank Clark, I think, still thinks he's a starter. He's twenty nine years old. He's younger than you think. He has all these playoff accolades. So in his mind, I'm sure it's, hey, I want to get one more decent-sized contract. I want to get one more two, three-year, multi-year deal, and then I'll eventually become that Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, and keep signing those one-year consecutive deals. I get it. No one wants to admit that uh, you're no longer a starter. You're no longer a game changer. You're no longer this game wrecker you once were. I think he's there. 
but I don't think he thinks he's there. I think a good spot for him, honestly, Miami. Miami needs a lot of help at edge. They need some help. Right now, they have Emmanuel Ogba, former chief, as one of their starting edge rushers. Frank Clark makes sense. He'll get probably the playing time he wants. He'll probably get a two-year, three-year deal there because he is 29, and the Dolphins love taking former chiefs. They want that inside knowledge. They think it can help them. It won't, but they think it can. Miami, Miami frightens me a little bit, but also – it's just weird looking at Miami because there are, there's a I'm looking at two different visions, two different universes, and one is where Mike McDaniel just goes berserk and they go 15 and two and just stomp on the league with these super fast receivers, and another one where they go four and 13. These guys get hurt and everybody gets fired. I really can't get a read on them. Uh, I do think that their defense is going to be definitely though much better this year. I think they invested in it. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey coming in helps a lot. Clark obviously going to a place too. No state tax, great weather. I mean, those are things you got to consider, yeah. especially when you're a veteran trying to hop between contenders. I think that might help them kind of win out. I could see, I could see Miami. I don't know what their cap situation is off the top of my head. I don't know if they could afford that bigger multi-year deal he's probably seeking, or if they'll just kind of tinker with some stuff, which Chris Greer has shown he'll do sometimes, kind of finagle his way around the cap, not in like a Mickey Loomis way, but. He's shown that he'll add some veteran guys if he needs to. So I, as a Jets guy, I personally wouldn't like Frank Clark going to Miami. I don't want him in the division. I don't want him chasing Aaron Rodgers. But from a pure sense standpoint, not a bad fit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Best free agent landing spot for Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin, I think, after being released from the Jaguars after two years, I think proved he's a scheme-specific uh, player. Uh, I think that Seattle really kind of helped mask his flaws. But I also think that going back to Seattle, like Bobby Wagner is doing, might be the best fit for him because I think he just was not really in a scheme that was conducive to what he wanted. I think he did a lot of like man-to-man stuff at, at Jacksonville. It's not really what he was. He's kind of more that Pete Carroll's own guy. And uh, I think Seattle has obviously not doesn't have a great defense. I think they've invested in it, but, I mean, they were moving the ball pretty easily against him. But if he goes back to Seattle, think about this secondary, because I think this actually they've invested in a lot. Not a bad-looking unit, because on either side, you have uh, Devin Witherspoon, number five overall pick, and Tariq Woolen. That's a pretty damn good one, too. You have Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs as your starting safeties. I know there's Jamal Adams haters. I've seen them all. Oh, Blitz boy. Jamal Adams is good. I don't want to hear any of that. Jamal Adams is a good player, a really good player. Knock it off. It's it's better Jets fans that are upset that he he had the temerity to not want to play with Adam Gase. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. And then you have guys like Julian Love and Griffin as ancillary pieces, as your nickel and dime guys. That's pretty good, especially in a division where you got Kyler Murray when he's healthy, who's still a good quarterback. We can There's arguments over how good he is. Dude can play. Dude's a starter. Yeah. Then you got San Francisco and the mega Death Star offense. And then, obviously, Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, who, when they're healthy, can be pretty tough to deal with. Yeah. So I think getting more depth pieces in Seattle is going to be something that they still need to do in the offseason. I think Griffin will help as a guy who knows the scheme, knows Pete Carroll. He could help teach it to Devin Witherspoon. I think that's just kind of where he needs to go to rehabilitate his value. I think going back to a team that runs a scheme like Jacksonville is just asking for him to get beat up. 
Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. There's not much I'm going to add, but I think that's that's the perfect breakdown. His best years were in Seattle. Again, makes you believe it's more of a scheme fit than anything else. Uh, him going back to Seattle, to me, I'm with you, makes the most sense. Let's get into the offensive side of the ball again. Best free agent landing spot for Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, and this one actually was my easiest, I think, of the ones to think of. I think he needs to go to the Tennessee Titans because the Tennessee Titans, I think they had a pretty nice draft, all things considered. I think Skaronsky, I wasn't as high on Peter Skaronsky as everybody else. I think he'll be a really good tackle for a long time. I think getting Will Levis where they did is pretty good because for, for all the hate that Will Levis got like with the numbers at Kentucky, I still thought the dude was a first-round prospect. I love his arm. I love his competitiveness. I love his ability to make plays on the move. I think they got a, they got a steal, quite frankly. I think they got a guy who can be a successor to Ryan Tannehill. That's all well and good. What's the plan at wide receiver? I mean, is Traylon Burks going to be Jerry Rice? Because Traylon Burks is the number one and a guy I like, but I don't think he's proven he's a number one receiver, yet he was a rookie last year and he got banged up a little bit. Nick Westbrook-Akine, Kyle Phillips, Racy McMath. Like, like these sound like like fake names that get made up for like college football games because they can't use the real ones. Like that's not a that's not a regular depth chart. Like what are you trying to do here, Landry? He's been a target of my ire for a long time because I was banging the table, especially when he was with Miami at the end with Gase and then the first year in Cleveland. Of this guy is overrated. I kept screaming it, and nobody listened to me. Now people are listening to me because I just think he's a limited athlete. I don't think he's a deep threat. I think he's pretty much an underneath kind of like a slot possession guy, which is what he was in Miami. I mean, there was one year he had 112 catches and he didn't have a thousand yards. That's the kind of player Jarvis Landry is. But you go to Tennessee who needs receivers badly. They tried to get a similar guy in Robert Woods, just didn't work out for whatever reason. You have a guy in Levis who you thought could probably be a Tannehill successor. Otherwise, you wouldn't have traded up early in the second round to get him. Why not get him a veteran receiver who's sure-handed like Jarvis Landry, especially in a division where I I think you said earlier none of these teams are going to sniff the playoffs. Well, Tennessee at the end of last year was, I think, 7-3, and three, and then everybody got hurt and Malik Willis had to play and they fell out of it. I mean, I wouldn't be so sure to count out the Titans, man. I think they just need they need to stay healthy. And I think getting Landry, that could really help that offense take off and kind of compete with Jacksonville. Yeah. I think the best thing you said was Robert Woods. I think Jarvis Landry will be the Robert Woods replacement. I think Tennessee is a very good spot. Just quickly on Will Levis, I don't see anything in Will Levis, but there's obviously a reason why a lot of teams had a first-round grade on him or at least early second round, as we saw. I think it was a good spot for him to land. I think Tennessee does make sense for him. I think it made sense for Tennessee as well. I saw Will Levis in person. I'm a Mizzou guy. Watched a lot of Kentucky games as well. I just don't think he's very good. Like, I don't think he's like a, he was a fine college quarterback, fine, but there's nothing that made me scream, oh, yeah, this guy's going to dominate the NFL. Uh, I mean, well, it's, the, it's the arm and the fact that, I mean, he was playing with a bunch of guys who were probably working at Best Buy right now in the offensive line. So that obviously didn't, that didn't help him. Yeah, sure. But Josh Allen did too at Wyoming, and, and you could see something there. Like, I, like Josh Allen to me was, was easy to see it translate. Uh, Will Levis, I, I just never saw anything. So maybe he proves me wrong, and I, I hope so. He seems like a good enough dude, nothing against the guy. I just don't see anything personally that makes me scream that guy is going to be a stud in the NFL. But again, in the second round, it made sense for Tennessee to take him. It makes sense to try and give him a veteran weapon. Even if it is Ryan Tannehill starting, 
you would still want some sort of consistency with Robert Woods going to Houston. Uh, wasn't it Houston? He's with the Texans now, yep. Yeah, yeah, to Houston. So Jarvis Landry would make some sense there. Uh, I also think that Jarvis Landry uh, would make some sense in Green Bay. Jordan Love is now the guy taking over. But you look at that wide receiving core, uh, very, very young. Christian Watson, who I think is a very solid player. Romeo Dobbs, then Jaden Reed, who they drafted this year. They need someone. They need a veteran. I know Aaron Rodgers is going to be punching the air saying, when, was, when were you guys trying to give me some veteran wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams? It never happened. But and they want- drafted him. That doesn't even count. So, <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to give Jordan Love some help, give him some veteran wide receivers. I think Jarvis Landry would be a great underneath guy because that's not Christian Watson's game. right? That's not what he specializes in. It feels like they have a good need for Landry. Landry could get a lot of targets in there. It would help Jordan Love. I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to go to Green Bay. I'm still just confused on what Green Bay's direction is because, all right, they're off Rodgers onto Jordan Love. You'd think they'd say, all right, we w- we're trading a future Hall of Famer and a guy who won back-to-back MVPs a year ago because we think Jordan Love is just so great and we think Jordan Love is going to be our guy for 10 years. Then Brian Kudekunst and Mark Murphy come out and they say all these comments which basically amount to like, well, we couldn't pay him that much for a fifth-year option because we don't know if he's any good. Listen, pick a side, man. Like, what are you doing? This this isn't the way to talk about your guy. It, it's I, I guess that's what happens when you don't have an owner and you just have a, a loose collection of Wisconsinites <laughs> all voicing their opinion. It's funny. When you look at Green Bay's roster, it's not bad. Yeah, wide receiver room's not great, but if you are going young, it makes sense to see what you have. Christian Watson, Dobbs, and Reed, as I mentioned, uh, went with Luke Musgrave right? Tied in in the draft this year as well. Obviously, Bakatari is still there. Uh, John Runyon is still there at guard. Defensively, you still have Kenny, Kenny Clark. You still have, what, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, uh, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Jarnell Savage, and Razul Douglas. I mean, they still have some players. Like, it's not like this Green Bay team is the void of all talent. It's not like it's the Houston Texans last year. Uh, again, give him, Jordan Love, some weapons. I'm not saying they're making the playoffs by any means. But the NFC is really, really bad. We know this. I wouldn't be shocked if they won eight games. If they did what they did last year with Rodgers, win eight, nine, I wouldn't be that surprised. That's where I'm at. So um, bring in some veteran wide receivers for Jordan Love. At least see what you have. Again, I saw Jordan Love in person as well. He didn't look very good. Maybe you were sitting with uh, his his mom and girlfriend who were like in the furthest back row. And, <laughs> Way up there. And like you, you, you lean back and then it's like Maude Flanders just, oh my God, falling off the back. <laughs> All right, final one. Uh, best free agent landing spot for Taylor Lewan. Now, Taylor Lewan, who I do feel bad for because he's suing that doctor that kind of boshed his ACL injury. And I don't really think you're ever going to get Pro Bowl Taylor Lewan ever again. But... I think you can get a pretty good starter in Taylor Lewan. And there are a couple offenses that don't necessarily have pretty good starters on their offensive line or could at least look for a veteran upgrade, I think, at this point. One of them being the Los Angeles Chargers. Because the Los Angeles Chargers have continued their tradition of Hall of Fame quarterback, everything else around them is a goddamn mess, which is a shame because... Dan Fouts won his whole career and never won a Super Bowl. And Phillip Rivers won his whole career and never got to a Super Bowl. And Justin Herbert is throwing for 9,000 yards every single year and 85 touchdowns. And then they're choking 27-point leads. 
And I think part of that, too, was an inability to kind of support him on the ground, which led back to an offensive line that wasn't particularly good. Individually, they got guys. Zion Johnson, I think, is a really good guard. I just don't think collectively that's a great offensive line. I think if you get a veteran, a guy like Lawan, who's been on some good teams, he's still a good run blocker for all of his injuries. Like I know Lawan's not going to be a Pro Bowl guy, but if the Chargers get an upgrade at left tackle, that could be the difference maybe in like a game or two, which helps them move up the standings in the postseason and gets them a more favorable matchup that hopefully they don't blow a 27-point lead in. But <laughs> I just think I just think the offensive line is it's not dire, but they, they can't go into it go into week one with their current group as their offensive line. So I think Lawan would help there. Maybe uh, even if he slows down, kick him inside the guard, kind of maybe give him a little second wind. Not the craziest idea in the world, I don't think. I was taking a look at the Timothy Buccaneers again just to see, um, but they were so banged up last year because obviously Donovan Smith is gone, but they moved Tristan Wirfs over to the left side. They have a pretty good offensive line if they're supposedly healthy. I don't think it makes sense for Taylor Lewan to go there. I don't know if Lewan is stuck on being a left tackle in the NFL or if he's content now with at this point being a right tackle. Don't know how much sway uh, he even has in that regard. What the NFL thinks of him at this point. I think Chicago can make some sense. Obviously, Darnell Wright is going to be the, the right tackle. You picked him 10th overall. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about Chicago Bears football. I think I know a good amount. I watch, you know, pretty much every single NFL game out there. Kind of, well, let me set the stage for you. You know what the best thing is about talking sports, doing this for a living, doing sports talk radio as well? What is it, Sterling? I get to watch sports, and that's my excuse for not doing things I don't want to do. <laughs> Girlfriend's like, hey, babe, you want to go to, to Target? Sorry, got to watch this 3-13 and 13 Bears team play football. It's so, professional, man. It's like, I got to do it. I'm contracted. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I get, but then it gets, it gets a little tough. It gets a little dice, and I'm like, yeah, sorry, babe. I got to watch this replay of the Johnsonville, uh, Johnsonville Sausage Cornhole Tournament. That one doesn't have quite the same sway. <laughs> Uh, but Braxton Jones was the starting left tackle for him last year, fifth round draft pick in the 2022 NFL draft. I don't know a ton about Braxton Jones. I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot that he was a stud or if he was trash. Yeah. I, I'm not going to try and pretend like I know because I don't. I didn't watch a lot of Braxton Jones. He, he has the official Mike verdict of okay. So I don't okay for Justin Field. That might not be enough. So so if, if you wanted to try and go a veteran route, Taylor Lewan again. He's been banged up. He's been injured. But if you can get him healthy, if you think he can be an upgrade, it would make sense to try and give Justin Fields as much time as possible. Bring him in. You obviously have Darnell Wright on the right side. Uh, Anything you can do to help Justin Fields at this point, because you have to know if he's the guy. You have to at some point say, is he a franchise quarterback or is he a – too much of a playmaker, right? A guy who's trying to continuously make plays, how much is on him, how much is on the offensive line. You will never know unless you actually give him weapons and you actually give him help up front. So I think Taylor Lewan to the Bears would make some sense. I think so too. Uh, Here's one uh, acquisition that I want to kind of gauge your your thoughts on just to see if you think it's kind of realistic or not. Uh, Andrew Luck to the Commanders. Realistic? Uh, not without tampering. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just love, I'll take any opportunity to laugh at Dan Snyder, especially because he's out the door and 
there's going to be probably like the moratorium on the owners kind of ripping Dan Snyder is going to oh, gonna disappear and we're going to get all the, the juicy secrets and it's going to be really awesome. Be- screw Dan Snyder. That's the, that should be the subtitle of, of my podcast is screw Dan Snyder. But, but uh, this was honestly, I remember seeing the Jim Ursay tweet and I just literally like laughed out loud for five seconds when I saw it because the fact that they have this, this was, this was just for context. This was before the 2022 season, before they got Carson Wentz. They, uh, the, the Washington Commanders called uh, Andrew Luck to see if he had any interest in coming out to play for them. This is one of the most ridiculous, harebrained, nonsense ideas to build a team I've ever heard of. I mean, Andrew Luck, a guy who's basically been in like a, like a Tibetan monk in like a monastery since retiring from football, you thought he was going to come out of retirement? to come and play for your crappy Washington commanders with no offensive line, a bad offensive coordinator, a defensive head coach in a very tough division. You thought that was the offer that was going to get him off the couch. And now you're going to lose picks because of it, because Dan Snyder's a moron. According to ESPN, the commanders are not believed to have spoken with luck nor his agent, which would be a direct violation of the league's anti-tampering policy whether the commanders spoke with a third party and whether any such actions constitute a violation are among the details the Colts are hoping to clarify as they seek to learn more about what exactly transpired. A Colts source told ESPN on Sunday. So uh, they talked to Andrew Luck's buddy. <laughs> sure. So we'll see what actually transpires from this. Probably nothing, although it's not uncommon. Obviously Miami Dolphins got uh, multiple picks taken away. Uh, obviously, that's the reason why they didn't have a first-round draft pick this year, right? So it's that, not that was worse. That was also like that was funnier too because they had the whole bring them on the yacht. Sure, the, the bring them on the yacht thing because God, God, NFL owners are so dumb. Like the fact that there are there's only 32 of these positions. Well, 31 the Packers, and, and like it's this such an important institution in American society. And there's no qualifications you have to have other than just a ton of money from anywhere. It could be you inherited it to do yeah. it. You can yeah. be a complete moron. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. Drives me nuts. Doesn't matter. They just have money and they want a team. Uh, Look at Jerry Jones. Still trying to build the Cowboys like it's 1992. Uh, but I don't think anything's going to happen from this. I personally don't. It doesn't sound like there's anything outside of Jim Ursay, who I don't know how trustworthy Jim Ursay is. He, he's, he's, remember, know, he, remember he was like, hey, should we take well. Le- what a little checkered past as well. Yeah. So remember when he uh, was like, Hey, should we take Will Levis right before take two of the draft? He tweeted it out. Like, wait, yeah, see, seems like Jim Ursay is trying to start some stuff in the NFL. He's like, all right, now that uh, Snyder's out, who can be the most crazy owner? He's trying to give Jerry Jones a run for his money. I mean, in terms, if you're talking just crazy, sure. I mean, Jim Mercy, <laughs> bow down, man. That is, you, Jerry Jones got a while to go before he, before he's Jim Mercy. You didn't hire uh, Jeff Saturday. True. Uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit of the schedule release. It's going to happen on the 11th, which is Thursday. That is, according to ESPN, uh, going to happen. Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, the NFL announced on Monday. Some games will be announced tomorrow when the international games in London and Germany will be announced by the NFL Network and ESPN. There will also be the first ever Black Friday game, and that's going to be announced by Amazon. 
So uh, what's your initial reaction on the NFL schedule releases coming up? Any thoughts here? Anything you're really looking forward to? Anything you're not looking forward to? Any thoughts here? Well, I am excited to see the Jets get five primetime games, supposedly, because I could be wrong, but I, I do believe they haven't been on Sunday Night Football in over 10 years, which sounds crazy. Meanwhile, how many times have like the Patriots been on? Like like 50. So, so it's good to see that. Uh, that Black Friday game is going to be clutch, too, because I could just – like I'm not a Black Friday shopper guy, so I can just like sink into my couch and just – watch football all day, which is good. That way I'm not doing all kinds of crazy Christmas shopping. One rumor that I actually think will be really could be kind of fun. Uh, kind of like a nice spectacle. Uh, this comes from sports illustrated, actually uh, a rumor, a source told uh, their New York Jets site that uh, week one of the 2023 season will include the jets against the giants on Monday night football for Aaron Rodgers debut, which is going to be around nine 11, you get Aaron Rodgers, the whole spectacle of it. The stadium's going to be 50-50. Everybody's going to be rocking. That is, that's going to be a cool sight. And uh, yeah, other than that, I just want, in terms of the opening game, because it's going to be the Chiefs, who do you think it's going to be off the top of your head? Because for me, it seems like Buffalo. Eagles. <laughs> let's, let's, oh, let's, let's, rematch. let's just do the rematch. Because you know they're going to play this year. It's already right. it's already in the schedule. Why not do it week one? Why not do it week one? I, get it out of the way. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Yeah, that reminds me too. I remember uh, that just brings back bad memories of. I think the Broncos and the Panthers had that. That was that year. I think it was 2016 when the Broncos hit Cam like 30 times after the play and gave him like three concussions. Yeah. In the middle of the game. God, Cam was so uh, good. I miss Prime Cam. Uh, going on with the schedule, the NFL has previously announced that the Bills, Titans, Jags, Chiefs, and Patriots will host international games this year. This also will feature 14 playoff rematches from 2022, including, as we mentioned, the Eagles and the Chiefs. A little scheduling note, teams can now be on Thursday Night Football twice this season. Oh, Not just stinks. once, that twice, stinks. which is brutal. We've already heard a lot of players speak out about this. Not ideal. But not every team is guaranteed to play on prime time. So the two this, Thursday night games. This might, sound, this might sound dumb. Why don't they play on Friday? That seems like it'd be kind of like, because you, you get the weekday game, but you get an extra day of rest. Like that seems like kind of like an equal, if you're going to do weekday games, which I don't think they should do, but if you're going to do it, why, why not do it on Friday? That seems like kind of like a kind of a happy medium for everybody. Cause Thursday mm-hmm. night, well, every every week, one of the teams just looks like they're playing like a scrimmage. Yeah, but I get an excuse to go to a bar. So for that reason, I'm okay. All right, I don't need right. an excuse yeah, to go to a bar on Friday. Yeah, but then you got to listen to Kirk Herb Street, and then your Thursday night could be ruined. <laughs> I don't turn it on. I'm in a bar. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny because Al Michaels, as great as Al Michaels is. Like you could tell he did this for the money. He's this is like thirty percent of Al Michaels. Like uh, I remember there was it was that remember that Broncos Colts game where it was like twelve to nine in overtime and like no team got past half got past like midfield for most of the game. I remember Kirk Herbstreit was like, "Wow, it's a really tight game between two good teams, right, Al?" And Al just went, "Nope, nope. <laughs> no, it is not." He hates Kirk Herbstreit. It's so funny. <laughs> 
Uh, Chris says, I wonder if we'll finally get the State Farm game or will Aaron Rodgers be hurt? Oh, don't put that in the universe, Chris. What, are you, what the hell are you doing? Chris. Chris. Yes. What do you Come want on, watch, Chris. You want to watch Zach Wilson again? What's wrong with you people? No, I do not want to watch Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, you, I Frankly, I don't su- want to watch Zach Wilson ever again. No, I don't. Be Him, Joe Flacco, Mike at, White, I'm out. You'd be surprised looking on Jets Twitter how many Zach Wilson stands there are. There are thousands of Zach Wilson stands currently that like anytime, like we'll put some tweet out saying about how much Zach Wilson stinks They're They come with every excuse under the sun. I'm like, do something better with your day, man. <laughs> be productive. Can't, can't wait for Aaron Rodgers to be the best mentor to Zach Wilson. Or will Zach Wilson be mentoring Aaron Rodgers off the field at least? Uh, this was Stacking the Box Podcast. I'm Sterling Holmes, Mike Luciano. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. It's L-U-C-I-A-N-O. Ian McMillan should be back next week. I saw Verderam, former host of this show this weekend, harassed him, went to Blink-182 with him, uh, stayed at his house. So, yeah, now I know where he lives. Huge mistake, Verderam. Huge mistake. This is a lot of fun. Until (laughs) next week, we are out. See you guys next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.